This is Power 102 Digital, the Power Breakfast Show podcast series. Sonic Cruise and stuff, thunder and lightning with Baradari had blazing sun. Taking a look what's happening traffic wise, out of the west, Dago, out of Maraval, extremely heavy, out of St. Anne's. Uh, also got some traffic there this morning. Alright? Uh, going up Lady Young Road to the stretch towards the walkover, got some traffic. Taking a look at the east, you got traffic from Mouska straight up towards Yui. And then from Kirap, you're going to get traffic into Port of Spain. Heavy from um, from Endeavor towards Kirap as well. Kelly Village, uh-huh. Riverland Road, taking the main road from, yeah, taking the main road to California. Also got some traffic. And of course, on the solo, you'll pick up some volume from Chase Village and Sugar Gorners. Yeah, traffic all the way up to the interchange. You're going to main road. Chaka Block as well. All right. Um, right. Let's get the results of our morning poll. Sexy San Fernando also says no. What we got there, Richie Rich? So that's the only other additional vote. Yep. Right? Yep. Well, our poll this morning was Do you think the police will arrest someone for the murder of Jelano Romney? had 17 people voting on the poll in the allotted time mm-hmm. of the 17 people 14 of you said no um you don't think anybody will be arrested three of you said yes so 17 in all and of course you can continue to vote on this poll throughout the day through all programming and we'll give you the final results tomorrow morning all right there we go well done with you
I hope I'm sound in that. I'm gonna leave that. What's that? Nothing, nothing, nothing. I was just um, rambling. Okay, okay, you ramble, you ramble. I see our guest is already in studio, so to speak, our virtual studio. Gary Griffith is joining us this morning. Good morning. Ah, boy. <laughs> Good morning, Gary. Look, Wendell, finally, I thought Wendell was ducking me. <laughs> no. Recording in progress. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to get my camera on, but it's on now. It's on now. <laughs> You see, and you see me right behind me. I'm behind. <laughs> How are you, Gary? Long time. Good morning. Very good. Good morning. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, of course. Yeah, thanks for joining us this morning on the Power Breakfast Show. Good of morning, course, Mr. Um, there, there, well, there's so many things going on in the country, but let's, um, we can start the conversation, I guess, with the, um, the National Transformation Alliance and how things are going with regard to that. I know, I know certain other um, personalities have been revealed in terms of the hierarchy of the NTA. Mm -hmm. I know one of them being Barnes, Dirk Barnes for sure, who, is, who has been a regular um, contributor on the Power Breakfast show from time to time too. Yeah. Uh, how, how are things going with the NTA? Well, well, you can see, I mean, you listen on the political platform, even with the PNM, they spend more time speaking about Gary Griffith than they do the opposition. So obviously we are stepping on certain tools and political parties. Uh, as you'll see with the NTA, I am not, I am just as I was as a minister of national security and commissioner of police. I don't like yes people around me. I want people to be able to challenge me. I want people to be able to advise, and that's how we I operated. I want a good team, and you'll see the quality of persons around here at the NTA. It's a it's a powerful team of individuals who are who are who have that intellect, that ability to come forward and and that expertise in whatever field that they can assist. And that's and that's the that's the mantra of the NT. When you look at the word trans, um, alliance, that word alliance is an alliance of some of the best minds available. So we have the best minds I'm trying to get for the party, but the main thing is to get the best minds available for the country. Um, no, no government has ever done that. As soon as you get into government, you have to be red or yellow or whatever to be part of the governance of Trinidad and Tobago. We have no intention to go down that road. So even if you are not a part of the NTA, what we look at, we are looking for is to ensure you have the best persons available to assist in the governance of Trinidad and Tobago. So, so is it then? Is it then that the people that you would have put forward as, as the core of the NTA are they are they also, um, more than likely to be the candidates in particular constituencies? Not at all. No, no, not at all. And I think when that has always been the problem. The persons who are in the core of the executive, sorry, no, you go ahead. But the persons who are usually the core of the political party's executive will usually be the persons who are the core as members of parliament, and then they become the core of as as ministers. And therein lies the problem. There's no there's no demarcation that you could, and 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 that becomes the big issue. You put persons who may be very good candidates to represent a constituency. A member of parliament is supposed to be a powerful and well versed. Uh, counselor, you're some of the best counselors because they know how to serve people in your constituency. And then when you win, and you win 22, 19, 23, 18, or whatever, you figure, okay, most of these people must be ministers. And then you put these square pegs in the wrong hole. So now we have a minister of sport, 
who has boasted that she never played sport. You have a minister of communication, and his only communication is to type LOL in a Rodabara page. I'm not going to call um, his name. You have you have a minister of finance who doesn't know the difference between um, accounts for goods and services, and it cannot be paid to pay salaries. And there lies the problem. We have always done that. We, you're, you're a member of parliament, which means you are a very good councillor to serve your representative in your constituency. And then you try to box them in into a ministry that they, they're, they're totally clueless about. It is more than common sense on a level held to be a good minister. So the persons who may be in the executive, maybe the persons best suited to, to run the political party. Some of them may very well become ministers or members of parliament, but it's, it should not be automatic. It is not giving you a, 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 um, some kind of congratulatory gift because you served me as a, as a in the executive or as a member of parliament. We must get the best persons available as the best ministers, as the best members of parliament, and the best persons in your executive for your political party. So, so I'm assuming then by that long note, that the answer will be that we're still looking to expand the base in terms of getting people to join the party. And yeah, definitely. who will be bringing that, um, that, 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 those people to the party? Yeah, definitely, Wendell. I mean, I am never, I mean, I, I am still a rookie in politics. People believe I'm a veteran. I've only been in politics for what, uh, two years as a minister. And then, and, and so, but I have seen politics. And what I have seen is never before in all the years that I've been around in this country, I've seen such fear by so many persons in the public where they are literally afraid to come forward and voice their political preference because of fear of victimization and whether it is whether even you're in the private or the public sector so the list is very long and distinguished the type of individuals that have stated that they intend that they are supporting us but because of the concern of being of being victimized because of where their position is in the public service and even in the private sector because of fear of losing contracts they want to wait until and, and that mm -hmm. is sad. So now we have silent partners, a large number of these silent partners, which basically would be, by and large, that the bulk of that 147,000 persons who voted for the COP in 2007, plus a vast majority of persons who are under 40, whose mommy and daddy can't tell them, listen, this is a PNM or UNC house. And because of that, you're getting a lot of younger persons who have that ability to know that because of technology and so forth, they are now educating their parents and not the other way around that what we would have seen decades ago. I have a strange mm -hmm. question. Good morning again, Gary. I've already and it's, and it's really I just want to say it's a sincere question. What is your expertise as a potential prime minister? I know you were to me a pretty good commissioner of police. You instilled confidence at some level of the public and the police service, and you be able to make some gains. Uh, but what is your expertise? You just mentioned that you're a pretty neophyte politician. What is your what should the public see as your expertise as a national leader and what would be the main difference in your sure. leadership of the country as opposed to the leadership of the police service that we saw well, well, well you know the first thing you, you look at track record um the police service is, was arguably seen as the most uh, disliked um lack of trust in, in in the in all of the arms of the police of the public sector uh when it took when i took over it was there was 14 percent public trust and confidence when I left, it was 55%. So from being the least trusted, the, 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 the most disliked probably, to being the most trusted. If it is that I, and the, the point I'm using here, Paul, is that if I can transform the biggest, one of the biggest arms in the public sector from being the most disliked to the most trusted, I can do the same throughout the country in all arms of the public service. And that has always been a problem. There has been lack of trust, belief, and, belief and confidence by the public 
in all arms of the public sector. And the public sector is what it is that the prime minister is supposed to, to have that control of and, and build. So what my point being is that I will ensure that I have the best team available. So you look at qualifications. One of the biggest qualifications you need to be a prime minister is having the ability to know that I do not know everything. When I make a decision, everybody will not agree to it. And that's what we have with prime ministers all throughout this country since we have since our independence. When I'm in cabinet and I make a decision, everybody will keep quiet. When you have half of your of your members of parliament actually contacting a previous commissioner and saying, I wish that you can remain and you can become commissioner because my constituents want you. But when it comes time to vote in parliament, you cannot make that statement because you are afraid of your prime minister. That is the type of leadership you're going to change. Over 75%, turn out to be yourself, and let's look at the United States, 75% of those people who have been US presidents, I think 33 out of the 45 odd, had military service. And it's not because you need to be in the army, but in the military, it gave you that degree of leadership to not, not just to lead, but to serve. So you're not looking at qualifications more because my qualification is, yes, I'm arguably probably one of the best persons in national security. Does that make me a prime minister? Keith Rowley's, his biggest qualification is to be able to measure and, and look at rocks and stones. That doesn't mean that he should not be a prime minister. So let us, so it is not about the qualification of your background. It is how your leadership skill has made you towards being successful in, in transforming whatever. Mine was the police service and I've looked at other elements. So the same way I was able to transform the police service, transform the Ministry of National Security, I'll be able to transform the public service and transform Trinidad and Tobago. You know, I'm sure that you made the police service the most, what, what is it, trusted place? It was, I'm yeah. sure that that happened, you know. it, it did, Wendell. Yeah. If you look at the poll, it was 55% public trust and confidence. That poll that was done by Nigel Henry confirmed that of all the arms of the public service, it was the highest spike in increase in public trust and confidence. In August 2018, it was 50%. Okay, okay. I can buy August, that. Yeah, in August 2021, it lifted, it moved up to 55%. It was the highest yeah. increase in the history of Toronto Tobago on any arm in the public sector. And now, after one year, they're doing another poll, and I think it will probably be back down to less than 10%. So that says a lot, not about my leadership, but my ability to build a good team to serve the people who I'm supposed to represent. Mm. I mean, I, I, I could I could buy the fact that at the point in time it was the highest spike in terms of state agencies that that, that, that where, where confidence went up. But what do you think you learned as commissioner of police that you can take on to being a leader of the country, a potential prime minister? While you were to be an effective commissioner, there were some issues that the public had with you that. I think some people still have concerns about, uh, quite frankly. Uh, you and I have no problem people defending themselves uh, when they are wrongly accused or people make erroneous statements about them, but they were general concerns about your demeanor as commissioner. Well, you know, Paul, the one thing uh, that what I have done, I, I, my my personality builds a lot of emotion, and that is a fact. Um, there, there are people like, like when you look at whether it is um, McDonald Jacob, whether it is you look at the Minister of Sport, People don't know whether they're coming or going because their, their personality will not allow you to have that emotion. My personality spikes high degree of emotion in person. So it's either a love benefit that anywhere I go, people want to take photos because they like my style, they like my belief in what I want to do for my country. And there'll be those who will hate everybody in my body. So 
So the same way that emotion is heavy, you can't please everyone. I mean, when it is that, you know, I, I, to, to but I, I don't think that's always the case. I, I think that there are people who genuinely had confidence in your ability to move the police service forward, but at the same time had concerns about your demeanor. So I don't think it was as polarizing as that all the time. Yeah, but, but I, I, don't, I don't think if you ask about my personality, people will say, well, I, neither here nor there. My point being is that when there was that poll done, 89% of the country said that they wanted me back as commissioner of police so they had no concern 11 percent said no that 11 percent was there would have been individuals that the comments i make and the things i did was the 89 percent to believe in me and that's why my point is, is either love hate uh, there's no in between and that and that hate is because of the things that i would have done that caused many people to also like me and my personality is one that if i'm seeing something that is wrong i am not going to turn a blind eye and try to to sugarcoat it. So the fact is, is if it is that persons, are, if, if um, government officials are involved in giving state contracts, I will I will put my foot down. If it is, I see a prime minister deliberately trying to influence a police service. I'm not going to turn a blind eye and then try to, to win over his heart because I want to keep a job as other uh, commissioners would have done. And I think that is the personality that many people like, but it will also affect others because of our um, division in this country that will cause that, listen, you must stay, you must toe the line because he's the prime minister. So the same way people will like me, they will not like me. But the fact of the matter is what you will see is that at no time would I shift my principles, my oath to office, my oath to my country, and that is where the majority will be even. So it, it, I, to, to say that, you know, that, that there were concerns, of course there will be concerns, because even as a prime minister tells a, a commissioner of police, I want you to arrest persons in their private property, and a commissioner doesn't stand firm. Well, then some people will like that because they're so politically aligned to, to a political party. But the vast majority of people who are independent thinkers would say that is the commissioner we want. We do not want to have a police state. So well, that, you, you spoke there about about not towing the line, but you now, in your bid, as your lead as the leader of the NTA, have stated openly that you, person, the media should ask questions about the war chest offered to you to go after political opponents while commissioner. Am I incorrect in that? Well, yes, and, and again, it shows. And so why why didn't you why didn't you speak out about something like that while you were commissioner? Excellent, actually, because there's a difference between a criminal offense poll and ethics. Because if it is that every single time a prime minister does something that is an unethical manner, as a commissioner of police, I'm supposed to make a statement, he will do a press conference every single Monday morning. So if a prime minister will remember, the, the a government is supposed to provide funds to the police service, that is their job. They know they are not supposed to do is to direct how the funds should be allocated and who should get the funds. So if it is that I ask for three armored vehicles and they say, no, you must get 10 pickups instead of putting police officers in the back of the pickups if they get killed, that's their problem. That's a government policy that I am forced now to purchase vehicles in that way. In the same manner, however, if it is that we need funds to, to provide, to support and get attorneys to assist us in matters, and you tell me, we are giving you 45 million, but it must be used specifically for these attorneys, specifically for these cases. That is unethical. A commissioner of police is not supposed to do a press conference to expose lack of ethics by a government. I am supposed to adhere to that. But if it is that I'm no longer the commissioner of police, I'm a politician. I am now stating that if and when I become a prime minister, I am not going to do that. I am not going to direct the police to say, 
you must put the focus on legal firearms when one percent of murders have been committed by legal firearms and no police officers designed assigned to illegal firearms and you as the acting commissioner will blindly listen and do that because you want to keep your work and that is the difference with gary griffith so my, that is my point there paul that you it's an unethical matter but your commission is not supposed to stand for you can't arrest a prime minister or government for being unethical it is not a criminal offense i didn't i didn't i didn't suggest that you should arrest someone for I know, um, I know, I know. But I, you can't I, make a public statement if, if it that. was if it was so egregious in terms of how you think a prime minister should carry him or herself, then you know there was ample opportunity to say, well, you know, in a public setting, this is not this is no Paul, no Paul, Paul. You cannot be a, a commissioner of police and make a public set, make a public statement. Just without, look. Without let's evidence. Say, no, pardon. Without evidence. No, there is evidence, but the fact is, there's a, if a prime minister does something that is not ethical, it is not for me to make that decision and do a press conference on it. I'm not a politician. There's a difference, however, that if a prime minister makes a public statement and tells a country, listen, I want the police service to go into homes of people and arrest them during these public health regulations and breach their constitutional rights, which is what happened in 2011, because you had senior officers not understanding that you could tell a, a politician where to back off and know, and know your place. That is the difference to, to the Gary Griffin. So if it is that you do that in public, that's different. If it is you are involved in an investigation, I can't be making public statements pertaining to an investigation whilst I'm commissioner of police that can affect the investigation. You know, um, Gary, I, uh, I know the NTA has been established. I'm just wondering, and I know you have had a couple of meetings, at least as far as I'm aware, so I don't know how much more groundwork your the NTA plans to do in terms of reaching out to various communities across the country, because you have to do that kind of groundwork if you want to be elected as a national party. And of course, the, pub, the, the local government elections have now been postponed um, to next year, the end of 2023. I don't know, you could correct me if I'm wrong, if the NTA had any opinion on that, or if they made any public statement on that. And connected to that broader question is the issue of the NTA um, starting to make comments on national issues, not necessarily through you, I assume you'll have a PR officer or or a statement being released, but getting more involved in terms of commenting on national issues. Um, and but to me, I, I don't know if it, you all have been doing it, but to me, I have not been seeing it. So I don't know if that, that's a trajectory that you all are going to start following. Yeah, well, um, three of the four persons that are right on now with you, they have, they have they receive that every two or three days. The NTA, we have put out statements pertaining to the budget, pertaining to fiscal policy, education, health, the economy, um, national security, obviously, and even with the um, the postponement of local government elections. And so Wendell has, he has he received all, he will be fully aware, so is um, Senator Richards and Steve Kahn. They, they get it constantly. I'm sorry that you did not get it, Richard. The, fa the fact is, however, the media will not sensationalize such comments, And but at times they do. I mean, I think we get 
we, there's fair publicity that the NT gets on in the, the, the daily, the three daily newspapers and uh, electronic media. So it, it has been done. And, and what, one of the things we spoke about with the local government is again, this is again is a sign of creeping dictatorship where you try to shift the purpose because you know you're not ready politically. And be, by being, uh, and I said, I said it because it, it was set for annihilation of the PNM had they gone into a local government election, especially with a party as the NTA. The last, I mean, it will always be seven, seven, and you, and you have that balance there. But when the last time there was a that 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 third constituency, that Congress of the People type, they lost Digo Martin, they lost um Tuna Puna, they lost Arima, and they lost San Fernando. I think it was eleven three. Um and, and Richard Wendell, you will know it better than me, you can recall. And and that was because You're that, right. You're right. yeah, and that third constituency of those persons were saying, look. <clears throat> I really, I, I really cannot stand. I don't want the PNM. They have been, they are, they are, they are killing us. But I'm not going to shift the yellow. That uh, constituency caused the shift, especially. And look, look at what I spoke about. That's the corridor and also San Fernando. So even as that, whatever polls that may have been done by the PNM, and they anticipated that the NT was cutting into that and forming that 147,000 odd voters who would have done the same thing in the, that happened in the 2010 local government election. Going back to 11-3, could speak the end. I mean, you're not going to lose 11 in a local government election and expect to stay on until 2025. It would have been a signal by the country that it is time for you to go. So I think it was a deliberate delay in, um, to ensure that you can do damage control and hope that you could recover in the things that you have done and fail miserably in providing to the country, whether it be the economy, health, education, and national security. Mm. So is it is it that the NTA will be considering the local elections because I mean the term the, the, the act has been part of the act has been proclaimed to end the term at December 2023. But it doesn't mean that the elections will be postponed because an election really could be called at any time by a prime minister. Right? Yeah, but, but, but Wendell, I mean, really, the, the, the excuse being used to cause the delay, there was no need for it because it was already changed. So you could have still done it and you could have the election and still have it unless you feel that if in the election you might lose. But there's mm. nothing that would have caused change. That, yeah. So there were two totally different things. But, it was a red herring excuse. Well, it's a political strategy that became yeah, a yeah, but, but in other words, an excuse. Because yeah. the, reason, the reason by the Minister of Local Government for the delay has nothing, it has nothing to do with the transformation of the plans for local government. That mm. can still be done along the line because you will still be in government, you will still be in cabinet, you will still have the authority. So even if yeah. it is that that they were, the results would not have caused it, so, the, so there was no excuse. And I mean, even the most, unless you are the most diehard PNM supporter, you will buy into that excuse. No, but I, I have made the point, Gary, that this term, this last term of the of local government, of which I am also saying, was consumed by a pandemic. There was very little that local government practitioners could have done between, because they came into office in 2019, December, yeah, and three months later, a pandemic was declared. So there was Correct. very little to be done. So I, I have no problem with the extension, hoping that councillors would, would get that opportunity to do a little more in the area. Yeah, so, but I, but, yeah. so I'm saying it's a good thing. You know, I don't, I don't have a problem with it. If it, was, if it was under these conditions and it was, Extended, I can understand people saying, Well, you're afraid to lose. Wendell, but, but Wendell, but here I hear the logic, Wendell. And let me mm -hmm. let me tell you to our national football team. So, for two years, the national football team didn't perform because of the pandemic. So, a guy who's two was 33 years old on the national team, let's say Joven Jones or Molino, good players. And two years later, because they didn't perform, they didn't have the opportunity. You will say, Well, it means that they should keep them on the team. 
and even though they are now 35 and you have nine 18 years who are now 20 but point being because of your because of you being selected as the best person seen for the job two years ago because you didn't have the opportunity to perform and i understand your point it doesn't mean that you should get an extension the fact mm -hmm. of the is what the country wants now suppose there's a younger dynamic dynamic individuals that want to replace you you can't say well i didn't get the opportunity to perform so i must get a year that cannot be a reason when you have an election, an election must be set and sealed and not be have the goalpost shifted because you feel you're not ready yet and you're going to lose. Well, I again, my argument to you with that is that you see, the, 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 the family act is going to, the, the, the local government reform is going to change the type of people who offer themselves to. Because remember, you have to go into this thing now as a full time job. You, so a lot of people who are serving now would probably have to either give up their job or give up the politics. So all those are decisions that people can have the time now to make, and at least they have a, 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 a few months to decide, hey, is this what I want, or this is not what I want? But you see, local government, and I have argued this against all the governments, is not part of the constitution. So this is part of the course. This is what can happen. Nobody, yeah. no government, um, the, the, the UNC, the PNM, the People's Partnership, nobody saw it fit to make local government part of the constitution so that a, a, an election has to be called. I agree. That's, that's no, 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 I don't agree with the election um, to be postponed, but I understand mm -hmm. your point with the constitution. Our constitution is so flawed, and that has been the problem. I mean, the biggest mm -hmm. concern of our constitution is one man and one man alone virtually handpicks the chief justice, the president, the speaker of the senate, the, the president of the, of the house, um, the chief of defense staff, the commissioner of police, the director of the SSE, every state board member. You know what you call it in any other country in the world? Dictatorship. Mm -hmm. That is what it is. It is dictatorship because a prime minister can easily, I mean, manipulate. And I'm not saying that this one does that, but it gives him the authority to probably tell a president of, of the president, do not send that merit list to parliament. Or you can call a chief justice, remember I put you there. Or tell a commissioner of police, I want you to direct your resources towards targeting political opponents or the director of the SSA, you need to tap the phones of my political opponents because I put you there. And I'm not saying that he is doing that. But my point is we have put a flawed constitution. So and it is and that is the first signs of creeping dictatorship in any country. The constitution must be changed. The sad thing is whenever you're in opposition, you see these problems. But when you get in government, you enjoy that type of democratic dictatorship. And, you, and all the promises you make before, you refuse, whether it is two terms, whether it is right to recall, all of these things, you see it. And then when you get there, you enjoy that animal farm type of lifestyle and you forget why you went there in the first place and why people put you there. Yeah. And so is it is that something you as head of the NTA will champion and change? It is the catalyst for us, the NTA, NTA getting into government, to reduce the powers of a government because you cannot have that democratic dictatorship. The country has seen it. We spoke about Section 24, but that meritless situation has been the biggest disaster in the history of, of our democracy, where it is a prime minister can actually go and meet with someone in president's house, treated like a post office. And then by the documents I found in the Minister of the Police Service Commission, it confirmed that the Police Service Commission never suspended me. They never withdrew the merit list. So it meant that what, that somebody broke the law. And a year later, the person with the active commissioner of police has refused to put this as a focus because he's trying to mislead the country and say somebody must write a report first. And you don't need to write a report to do an investigation. 
but it shows the point that if I'm an acting commissioner of police, I may need to toe the line to keep my work. If I am a president, I know who appointed me. So if a prime minister tells me do not submit something to parliament, I will not do so. That is a sign of, of dictatorship. You can't have one person controlling every arm of the state. And that is the problem. So the, one of the main things we are coming in there is to transform, to change the constitution and to ensure we remove that de de democratic dictatorship. Inclusive of, of state boards, um, we speak about the budget, but we can reduce over $10 billion in corruption annually or mismanagement of funds by state boards. The state boards persons are appointed solely by their party card. And we would like that at least 20% of all state board members should be members of the opposition to prevent markups, kickback, um, excessive um, um, overhead in, um, in, in tenders and, and those are the things where billions upon billions of taxpayers dollars are wasted because the state board, it becomes a lodge with all of the individuals. We are all PNM or UNC or ABC or XYZ. So we make some ridiculous decisions, inclusive of probably giving somebody as a car, head of communication for $20,000 a month, and then and then you can't justify it. And those are the things that, that will cause us to reduce that expenditure. You can use those funds now towards providing the services that the country requires. Hmm. Well, I, I'm not too sure putting in members of this current opposition as me members of our state board is a good idea. But I hear you. I hear you. I hear the proposal. Um, and the, the whole issue of the constitutional reform that you're talking about, it requires a particular majority. And, uh, I mean, it's difficult. I can't say it's impossible. It's difficult for parties to get that majority. It's 100% Sure, Wendell. Um, uh, Richard, I'll tell you why. Because you, you figure that you need 31 or 29, depending on the, on the majority vote. You need um, so many to ensure you could do a, a, a massive change in the constitution like that. But you don't. 2120, as simple as 2120. If the 21 say, we want to ensure that the prime minister does not have so much authority and you, the opposition, can have some degree of involvement in the running of the country by putting checks and balances to ensure that we do not become a runaway horse. The 20 are going to vote and support it because you're in opposition. You don't want a prime minister who can handpick a commissioner of police, who can handpick a director of SSC, who has total involvement in the state boards. You want to have your 20% in the state board. You want to have a, a, an involvement to know that the prime minister cannot manipulate the police service or the SSC. So the 20 opposition members would always will approve. So, but the problem is that when you did 21 and you're ahead, you, you realize I have the, even though the slightest majority, it gives me the dictatorial authority to run the country as I see fit without any checks and balance. If you have a prime minister or part of a government or a government that can say, we want to change to diminish the powers of a government, that shows the type of leadership this country wants. And the 20 or the 19 opposition members will gladly accept it. So that so it is a hundred percent. The problem is not the opposition agreeing to it. The problem is when you're in government, you have that leadership and the maturity to go the right path and diminish your own authority for the benefits of the country. I, I hear you, and I am not so sure that um, that's necessarily accurate in terms of the current polarization of the politics and the toxic the toxicity of the politics in Trinidad and Tobago. But go forth. Yes. It's an, <laughs> it's, it's an interesting perspective, but, but Richard is right. The place is so polarized, so divided, that even 
if you say, listen, I giving it a chance now to get <laughs> appointments. I giving it a chance. You will say, well, but as he said, go forth. <laughs> let go and let go. I said it yesterday than I would normally say. <laughs> and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Is Paul still there? Are you willing to take some calls, Gary? Are we doing calls? Yes, sir. certainly, certainly, yeah. Yeah. All right, so we, we, we're speaking to Gary Griffith. Of course, you can call in and get interactive in the conversation. 222-TALK, 222-8255. North Americans, 866-525-1099. And, of course, people on the web and the app, you know what yeah. to do. Yeah. G Gary, I wanted to ask you, um, are you concerned at all, or what is your opinion, about some of the insinuations that's coming out concerning licensed firearm users and their and and and, and it being um how I should put it linked to some crimes that are taking place. Well I'm glad you have said Wendell, you know for 18 months, 18 months and, on, and in fairness to the Prime Minister, he was misled. I remember David West made a statement and said the biggest gang in the country was the police service. And uh, he was speaking about a specific arm because the majority of the police are hardworking officers. And, and he was correct because there were there were individuals heavily involved in corruption in holding back firearms at stations. It was $140 million in overtime corruption. I shut down police officers in certain areas con controlling and helping gangs. When I did that, they went and they whispered to the prime minister. And the prime minister took the beat. But for 18 months, 18 months, they accused Gary Griffin of being a crook. He's corrupt. Nothing. Because there was nothing that could be found. Because you can't find something that was not there. No victims, no witness, no suspects, no documents. It was a lie. So after 18 months, the country has realized all of the accusations you made on Gary Griffith, you have lied. You have misled the country. So now they have turned to, okay, we realize Gary Griffith is not involved in any criminal activity. Gary Griffith is not corrupt. So let's just blame the fact of too many firearms. But when the fact of the matter is that over 99% of all crime committed by firearms in the last four years have been by illegal firearms. 100% of all murders and violent crime under my watch were by illegal firearms. So by Jacob speaking about 108, you notice what he has done. He has conveniently not stated that the individuals have been charged. How many people have been charged out of this 108? This includes police officers, soldiers who have negligent discharges, who lost their firearms, um, um, security officers who lost their firearms, uh, law-abiding citizens with an FUL who use their firearm to protect themselves. Out of that 108, he can't name one FUL holder who was charged for a criminal offense. So he's playing with numbers to give the impression that there's some big, big concern about legal firearms. My concern is the hypocrisy because the same prime minister, acting commissioner, and minister of national security, they asked me for over 30 firearms for their friends and, 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 and close and close associates. And nothing is wrong with that. But my point is, is the hypocrisy because it is okay for them to apply. But when you have hunters, you have humble farmers, you have persons involved in sport, they cannot get it. We need to understand that what I did, I provided FULs for 0.1%, 0.1% of the country annually, 0.1%. And half of that were for previous and present police officers, soldiers, fire officers, prison officers who needed it. And then again, as it, as it pertains to Mr. Jacob, he is now providing 250 per annum. There are 50,000 applicants. So it'll take him 200 years to be able to deal with the present backlog because of the outdated system they believe that legal firearms is an issue. Mr. Ro Prime Minister Rowley spoke about Canada. 
Canada people do not need firearms to protect themselves because the state can protect them. He needs to look at what is happening here in Trinidad and Tobago. If the state is unable to protect you, it is your right to apply. And if it is you are, you're eligible, you do what is required. So I did what was required. And it worked because dozens upon dozens of lives were saved because of me providing those legal firearms to persons. So that you have to, you can't just be saying that if somebody will lose a legal firearm and you make a big press statement on it, the fact of the matter is the law of probability would exist that that would happen eventually. But the dozens of lives that have been saved because of, of it, it proves that it has been of value until it is the state provides the capability to protect you. <laughs> well, you actually mounted a couple of things that Paul and I also asked. Why aren't the statistics coming out on the arrests and so on of people with, with those with those um, firearms? But I want to ask another question, and it's linked also to, to the fact that we have so many legal firearms now. It, it requires a certain amount of ammunition. Is there a concern that the ammunition, the extra ammunition that would now be associated with the legal firearms, also finding itself with the people who have illegal fires? Excellent question, Wendell. Um, and again, because of Mr. Jacob's pettiness in trying to shut down and dismantle every single policy I put in place, because that, that, he has now politicized the police. That's what it is. I put yeah. 110 policies in place. And one of the things included the FUL card to deal with that problem. The FUL card had a chip. So that was one of 14 policies to stop corruption and to minimize issues in the police service, sorry, in persons with FULs. The card with the chip meant that if it is that I'm a FUL dealer and I have a range and I have a million rounds of ammunition, every time someone uses will use my range, he has to take that card, put it in the system. We know how much ammunition came out. So now you have checks and balances for every round of ammunition in that by that dealership. Failure to do that, he could a dealer could easily say, well, I um, I actually rented out, uh, people use 50,000 rounds of ammunition and they only use 40,000 rounds. So the card was an avenue to prevent that. He removed the card. The card was an avenue that if at any time a, a lady goes to a police station and reports their husband for um, domestic violence, it will immediately trigger, the technology will trigger straight into the FUL department to know that this man who there, there was no report of domestic violence or driving under the influence or being aggressive with someone, he has an FUL, so I can immediately seize it. This is what I did. This is why in my three years, there was not one incident of any FUL holder being charged for any violent crime. What happened after me? Because you shut down the policies, such as the app reporting, the online reporting, the, the positives of the gender-based violence unit. This incident that took place recently, this man was married in March this year. There were domestic violence issues reported this year. Was she did the lady have the opportunity to report this to the police that would have triggered the FUL department and the commissioner to remove this man's firearm? So it is not coincidental that in my three years there was not one issue of legal firearms being used in the wrong way. But before me and after me, you added it all up, put 108 and feel it could fool the public. They have tried this. When the West Indies got knocked out of the first round of the World Cup, Keith Rowley might blame legal firearms. Trinidad and Tobago didn't qualify for the World Cup football. Uh, Heinz and Jacob, I blame legal firearms. Legal firearms has become the, ex the excuse for every single thing under the sun. And the country has not bought it. They have realized, listen, you have, been, you have tried this. You have failed miserably. Focus on the issue. As I said, Ooh. 400 murders this year, 399-odd, have been by illegal firearms. We have put 70 police officers assigned specifically to look at legal firearms and not one assigned to deal with what has been the catalyst for violence in Trinidad and Tobago, which is illegal firearms. That is 
That is what you call politicizing the police service. Mm. But you haven't you haven't touched on the issue of the ammunition. I just did. I just did. I just yeah. did. With the card, yeah. it means that okay. if I have a million rounds, every time yeah. it means that when we do audits, we can account. You have to account for every round, so you cannot right. distribute it to criminals because the card right. with the chip okay. will be able to show and it will be he she removed the card. Jacob is afraid of technology. A lot of technology we use stop crime. It was known as predictive policing, anticipating mm. the crime by social media monitoring, seeing what was being said, and then stopping it. The card was another arm of technology that he refused to use. And the question mm. to ask is why? So you say you're saying that with that card, ammunition suppliers could not have just given ammunition to the people with illegal firearms. Now, now they can. Well, they can't without the card because as mm -hmm. I said, if you have a million rounds and you can easily claim that 50,000 rounds would have been used for the month by persons who came on the range, how would the police know that? And yeah. when next day, it could be 10,000 given out. But with the card, every single round that, that is that is expended by the by the FUL holder to be on the range, it can now be accounted for by taking a million and minus it from all of the rounds used by the FUL holders when they went on your mm -hmm. range. That is mm -hmm. how you account for the rounds. Why would you remove technology that would have ensured that? Why would you have removed technology that could ensure that every time there's a report, if there's a, a report in Erin Station or in Tobago and a man is living in Trinidad on, of domestic violence, the FUL department may not pick it up because that is a paper trail. The technology mm. of the card would have automatically generated to know, listen, this lady has their reports of domestic violence by anyone and on this individual, and it can trigger the police acting to remove the, the weapon. I did this on dozens of occasions as commissioner of police, which is why I can boast. So there's an article where Gary's wrong again, because after I issued the firearm, a year after I left, the man used it illegally. So I am to blame. It's like saying a guy gets a driver's permit, and 20 years later, the transport commissioner retires. He, the guy kills someone, a DUI, you blame the transport commissioner. That is desperation. In a, and for Jacob to come now and dig up and say, let's find out when this guy got his firearm issued and leak it to the media. It shows again pettiness and him politicizing the police service. You need to understand, Jacob, what did you do? Did you put checks and balances to allow this lady to have reported it to the police as I did? Because I increased 40%. There was an increase in reports of gender-based violence, not because of an increase in the crime, but by women realizing, now oh, I have the opportunity to come forward and report it to the police without fear of victimization. That number has now diminished because the things such as the online reporting, the app reporting, the 482 Gary, all of these things have now been virtually eliminated and it, and it is making it difficult now for women to come forward to report such matters to the police. When you do that, it less reports, it means that individuals with firearms can now continue to act in a brazen way and cause violence to their loved ones. Yeah. All right. Did you get any calls? Gary, we have, we have a lot of calls coming through, so I'm going to take a couple before we wrap up this morning. So let's sure. go. Good morning. Mm. Good morning, caller. Short and sweet. Good morning. Good morning. I have a few questions for Mr. Gary Griffith. Go ahead, dear. Right. You're indicating that um, the Prime Minister is running a dictatorship. However, when you were the Commissioner of Police, you had persons arrested for this mention in your name to have them apologize. If that is what you're bringing as uh, Prime Minister of Trinidad and Tobago. Are you really serious to compare a commissioner arresting people for breaking the law with a Prime Minister? Are you trying to say that people who have broken the law 
and done something wrong and instead of the commissioner of police instead of okay sorry i'm i'm not going to interrupt you when you finish speak when you i mean the way my parents brought me up is when i speak people don't interrupt me if that's the way your parents brought you up that's your business so you speak and i won't interrupt you go ahead also breaking the law is not by mentioning the name also the fdl cards that you're indicating yes it's in the right direction however if you want something for the legal there's nothing in the law that recognizes these cards why didn't you ensure that the proper channels was used by a being ensuring the law before the if you want Okay, again, it seems that you totally lack knowledge and understanding the law because the fact of the matter is that the FUL book was the law. The FUL card does not replace the book. So the excuse being used by Mr. Jacob is a cop-out, literally, because the card was the card with the chip has all the data in the book. The reason why the book was a problem is because the book is not does not, is not numbered. So if you have you bring ten thousand books, somebody could take ten books, forge my name, stamp it. And then sell it to a criminal who has an illegal firearm. So if you're stopped in a roadblock, you can just show a book. That is banana republic type of policing. The card with the chip will have the technology to verify the card that you have with your FUL number can equate with the weapon that you have in your vehicle. That is the type of technology. So the card was never to replace the book. The card was used to ensure that there are checks and balances to ensure that you're not going to beat the system if you're out in a roadblock. That is the type of technology that you fail to understand. And going back to the previous question, if someone breaks the law and it is that we are telling someone to apologize, you have a problem with that? You have a problem with, with the police making sure that someone apologizes for causing, for um, committing a crime or for, or for brandishing a firearm? Come now, you cannot be serious. If that is what you call bad policing, and you want to compare that to prime ministerial acting. Well, you and I have on totally different wavelengths, ma'am. All right. Thank you, caller. Let's get some more calls coming in. Lots of calls coming through. So let's go to it. Good morning. Yeah. Morning, sir. Good morning. Good morning, caller. Good, 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 good. You hear me? Good. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Griffith, uh, are you aware of an article written by Ria Tate of the Express, uh, September 14th? 2021 network of corruption in fuel have you seen that article mr griffith yeah no i i think she's the she is more the minister of communication for the for the prime minister mm -hmm. she has never made one negative comment about keith rowley yeah yeah I, i'm aware mm -hmm. you're not continuing speaking about Ria Tate. So, you are, and, yes. and and my point is um this was the same express that also had a massive front page called gun scandal and then when we went to court they asked the same individuals state the, the witnesses state the victims show us the evidence state the reports show us and they had not a word to say so the, so to i speaking about someone who says 100 percent of every single thing that is given to from the government to post to put the government in a positive light the fact is when we went to court show us the evidence what you print to what it is that are facts are two totally different things so let me hear you know all right yeah yeah, yeah but, quick but, but, i have a but, lot but, of calls coming through so quickly uh, uh, okay okay good good all right, thank you. Yeah, he couldn't say Good. anything because everything that Maria Tate wrote, they went to court and it showed this network of corruption, this massive well-oil criminal industry. The, the, the questions were asked to the same individuals who wrote the articles. Give us the evidence, show us the witnesses, show us the data. And they went silent. They couldn't say a word. And that is where this is. What you write in a newspaper to facts are two totally different things. They were, they, they were exposed to show that what it is you put were lies. And I said it, I said it in court. I said, you have lied to the country. You have misled the country. Show us the evidence. 
by publishing that gun scandal. Where was the gun scandal 18 months later? Where's the massive well oil industry? Who are the persons that have been charged? Who have been bribed? Who paid the bribe? Who received the bribe? Lies, lies, lies. You couldn't bring anything. You have failed and you have lied to the country, and the country has now bought into the fact that, oh gosh, you have tried. We realize now it's 18 Morning. months of us. Morning. Morning. Caller Gary was good beginning to Go ahead with a question quickly. Yes, quickly. My two questions, please. Answer them quickly um, before doing therapy. Do you agree or do you agree to a term of a term of a prime minister, for example, like what the United States have now? And when the COP was part of the UNC and Prakash Ramada was only touting constitution reform before the elections. And when they went into the government, they had 29 seats and nothing was done about constitutional reform. And I agree, Richard, you can't have constitutional reform without the majority of the people agreeing. So 21, 20 will not cut it because we are too polarized. So do you agree with a term for prime minister as well as constitutional reform was part of your party at that time? And you were also a minister of national security. You agreed with everything that was there. So what has changed now? Thank you. Yeah, sure. Um, excellent questions. Um, I, I, again, I, I would I would obviously agree to the fact of two uh, two term two term majority. Um, but again, that is that is minor. The the importance, however, when you have two term majority, a country needs change. Political parties need change. So I will need change. Sometimes you have political leaders, they stay there and they're going on to their seventies and their eighties and their persons, but because of fear, I mean going right back to the PNM, the individuals who have spoken to me from members of parliament, councillors, they want change, but they are fearful. They cannot say a word because they have to toe the line. If it is that you have something even within political parties of two terms, that will help. Uh, as it <clears throat> pertains to what the Congress of the People did, the Congress of the People is not the NTA. The, the ONR, the NAR, the COP, the NTA, there will be different ideologies, there will be different principles. What you have are the same in are the same citizens that from it moved from 91,000 to 127,000 to 147,000, and it's probably 200,000 now. So they are still there. They're not PNM or UNC till they die. But what the COP did, and I think that is where it is that the COP may have lost their way because the ideologies and principles that caused them to get that 147,000, they believe that you did not live up to those expectations. People know Gary Griffith. I have lost my position on two occasions, standing on principle, remembering my oath to office, remembering what is right. So I give the assurance that if and when we become, we go into government, I am not going to shirk my responsibilities and forget the promises I made when before I was in office. So as a minister of national security, I stood firm on principle, and I was removed because of principle. And the country saw me and my character for what I was. Same thing as commissioner of police. I was not going to have any politician direct me to operationalize the police service towards their winner, women fancy. 23 US presidents told the most powerful man in the, in the world to shut up when he was making statements that was affecting security in their states. And that shows the difference with a developed country to a banana republic. People believe as a commissioner of police, you must toe the line because he put you there. No, this has to change. You can't have any politician directed. So my point is that what the COP, the mistakes they made, uh, I was not in the CUP at the time. I can assure you that my positions, I will stand firm on principle and I will do what is right for the country to transform Trinidad and Tobago. All right. Well, Gary, this is where we have to leave it this morning. I want to thank you so much for being with us. Don't be a stranger. My pleasure. Richard, um, uh, I was talking to Nicole last night. We went to the Richard Price show. I think we're ready for America dance, you know.
Yeah, I keep <laughs> preaching. Yeah, Steve, has, Steve, Steve has been harassing about that. So yeah, we'll keep see. preaching. It could be, be Mary in a wheelchair, I know, but still, let, let's go for it. One more. Behave yourself. We'll call it Mary could shake. <laughs> Mary, Mary could stand. <laughs> anyway, oh, anyway, Gary, thank you so much. All the best to you and your family, and we'll chat soon. Bye-bye. All the best. All right. Thank you for choosing Power 102 Digital. Listen every weekday for our live show starting at 6 a.m. Remember, like, share, and subscribe. Power 102 Digital.